Good morning. Good morning. It might have escaped your notice, but there was a football game last week. Although how it could have escaped your notice, I don't really know. I am not a big football fan or any other sports for that matter. But I think there is just a little too much hype about five hours of pregame shows before the game. Is it really necessary? All this hype and all this attention, all this widescreen technicolor display makes me squirm. That may be why the transfiguration Sunday was never that popular with most Christians. Okay, maybe it is a leap, but you got to admit the production values on that mountaintop were pretty spectacular. Three of the four Gospels record this scene, though there are subtle differences in the telling. Yet the clear implication is that there is something important going on there. There is some message, some hint, some understanding that we need to glean from the light show recorded in these verses. Jesus, who seems relatively sensible most of the time, all of a sudden pulls out the stops and goes for the glitz. Or is it really him? It seems out of character somehow. It seems over the top. I ask that you look at the picture on the screen and the aura that is around Jesus. And on, on each side, you see Moses and Elijah floating in the air. If that's not a production, what is? How would you feel in seeing that? Would you stand? Would you kneel? Or would you fall on your face and hide your head? It makes you wonder what the disciples felt in those days, particularly since they had never seen any of the productions that you and I have seen. To me, it is amazing and brings me to great awe. If you were one of the disciples, and this glow around one of your friends or your wife happened. You would think they were possessed by the devil. And then you hear this voice out of nowhere saying, this is my son, my beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. What? Where'd that come from? Of course, we would never think that way because it is in the Bible. 
and therefore must be important. Instead, we just ignore this most of the time. But what if we went with it for a while? What if we sat in the stands, got our popcorn, our nachos, our hot dog, and something to drink, and watched the show? What might we see? Our first question has to be, who is this for? Are we looking over Jesus's shoulder as he reads his emails? Or is this addressed to us? There is an element that is clearly a message to Jesus and is a part of the march toward Jerusalem that takes place over the rest of the gospel to Easter. It is a pep talk, a halftime speech from the coach who is God, from the assistant coaches, Moses and Elijah. In this game or show, don't ask me to figure out who is the offensive coordinator or who is the quarterback coach. That's going a little too far. But there is another component that is clearly a message to the followers, which includes you and me. One part, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased, is a statement of authority if the light show weren't enough, now we have an interpretation. Jesus participates in the divinity of God. Part two, listen to him. We all should be listening to him. It's that second part that Peter missed. There, Peter is with his phone finger that says Jesus is number one, and his face is painted in Jesus' colors, whatever that might be at the time, and says, I want a coach. Okay, maybe that's a stretch. But what he was trying to do was make a declaration about what was going on on that mountaintop. He was trying to stake a claim to his second confession by setting up a tent or a tabernacle to contain the glory of God. The problem was he couldn't contain the glory of God for the glory of God is not containable. It surrounds each and every one of us. This was God's moment to shine. It was Jesus's moment to shine. It was a little presumptuous of Peter to want to put it in a tent. His job was to stand or kneel 
or fall on his face in awe and wonder, which he finally managed to do. Our first responsibility is to worship. We are awestruck by the wonder and the glory and awesomeness of God. Falling on our knees, lifting our hands and our voices in praise and singing, lifting our hearts in joy and compassion. Isn't that what worship is about? Isn't that why we're here? I love the word compassion. The implication is that the passion we feel is to be shared. That's the calm prefix. Our worship should do more than just give us a warm feeling in our hearts. It should transform us to shine like the sun as we bring light and life to those around us. Our families, our neighbors, our coworkers should know that we have been to worship and have the passion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because the people around us see in us the desire to listen to Jesus. Worship is our moment to hear again the call to serve, the call to love, the call to give ourselves away to God. Worship is all about Jesus, but it is at the same time all about us, about him as the beloved son and us as the ones drawn together in community and privilege to be able to listen to him. That means as a follower of Jesus Christ every Sunday is a super God and Jesus Christ Sunday. Amen. Let us pray. God of truth, a blessing you promised and a blessing you give. Through deserts and up mountains, we follow Jesus and there we find you and ourselves as we were meant to be. But faith calls us for it is, was in faith that Jesus lived life and accepted death. His faith in you was born of love. His love was born of freedom. In Jesus, the bright cloud of your grace is forever upon us. May we be willing to leave the mountaintop experiences of life and walk the plains every day, knowing you are beside us all the way. In Jesus' name, amen.